Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Allahumma salli wa sallim ala sayyidina Muhammad wa ala ali sayyidina Muhammad wa barik wa sallim. Rabbi shahli sadri wa yassirli amri wa ahlul uqdatan min lisani yafqahu qawli. Subhanak la ilmanana illa ma'allamtana. Subhanak la ilmanana illa ma'allamtana. Subhanak la ilmanana illa ma'allamtana. Innaka anta al-alimul hakim. Allahumma alimna ma yanfa'una wa anfa'na bima'allamtana wa zidna ilman wa amala. Amma ba'd. I request the brothers to please move forward. Try to fill up all the gaps. Uh, if you can move forward kindly, take a minute. Inshallah, this is one step towards not just the front of the masjid, but inshallah, this is one step towards Allah's pleasure, one step towards our paradise, one step towards uh, the f- fulfilling the sunnah of Rasulullah's majlis, where people would sit close together, uh, hoping and expecting the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to descend on gatherings of knowledge and dhikr, where Allah's name is taken, where, where Rasulullah sallam, where salutations are, are sent upon Rasulullah. You know, we hear in a hadith that any such gathering in which uh, salutations are not sent upon the Prophet ﷺ, any such gathering in which Allah's name is not taken, any such gathering when Allah is not praised, salutations are not sent upon the Prophet ﷺ, كان عليه يوم القيامة, on the day of judgment, this gathering will be a burden. This gathering will be a source of problem. This gathering will be a source of difficulty for the individual. Meaning every single gathering in which Allah's ta- name is not taken, in which the Prophet ﷺ is not mentioned, in which salutations are not mentioned upon him, it will become a musibah, a wabal, an adab, a challenge, a burden upon that person. So let's think about how many gatherings we've had from last week till now. How many will ha- we've had this past month? How many we've had in this past you know, years? And out of those gatherings, unfortunately, so many of them are such that we are not uh, even mentioning Allah's name once. That is why, at the very least, you know, we begin with uh, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. We end with Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah. Bring in Alhamdulillah, inshaAllah. Bring in one salawat in between. Somewhere or another, try our best to have Allah's name and Rasulullah's name mentioned in that gathering. So that, that, that majlis of ours, that meeting of ours, does not become a source of punishment, a source of difficulty for you and I on the day of judgment. And then of course we end it with the majlis, we end it with the dua, Subhanallah wa bihamdihi, Subhanakallahumma bihamdik, nashadu wa ilaha illa ant, nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. This is the dhikr that we recite at the end of uh, any meeting, and that whatever mistakes were made in that meeting, whatever unnecessary things were spoken about, will be, uh, you know, inshaAllah forgiven. Speaking about unnecessary things, once a man passed away in front of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and people quickly said, "He's a shaheed. He's a jannati. He's a martyr." And the Prophet ﷺ told the companions, "Take, you know, hold it. How do you know that? How can you be so quick to make a judgment that he is a martyr? He is a shaheed, and even if he died on a battle, how can you be so sure?" What if he? spoke about something in his life that was not concerning him. What if he spoke about something that was not concerning him? SubhanAllah. Meaning, speaking about something which doesn't concern us is such a big problem that actually could what? Revoke a person's status of martyrdom, shahada. (coughs) So how often we may find ourselves in this situation where we say things in our majlis, in our gathering, talking to someone, we meet someone here and there, just in the parking lot, just in the lobby, just in, outside of our home, in, our, in, our, in a gathering. And we end up not knowing these say things, <coughs> which are 
absolutely um, useless and harmful. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protection from <clears throat> speaking about those things which are unnecessary and which are not relevant to us. We begin our uh, dars today asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and asking all of you to make this niyyah that Ya Allah allow this dars to be of great benefit for me. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make the dars a means of answering my questions, a means of answering my prayers, a means of gaining guidance in things that I'm looking for the guidance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in. Any type of situation, any one of you are going through, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow you to make this niyyah now, that through the next hour uh, that we cover these ayats, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows us to hear the answers of things that you and I are struggling with, you and I are looking for answers. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He mentioned uh, the story of the cave, the people of the cave, the sleepers. Uh, last week we pretty much completed majority of it. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned that some people are saying their numbers are this, some people are saying their numbers are that. Regardless of it, let's focus on the, f on the main important part of the story. Don't focus on the numbers. Don't focus on the location. Don't, as we added, don't focus on who, where, what, when, why. Focus on the crux of the story that this, what Allah wants shall happen and anything and everything Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can do and miracles are possible for the awliya. So become a wali of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect yourself and find your, for yourself good companionship. Find for yourself a cave. Find for yourself a, a location where you can practice your deen beautifully, where your spouse and your children can practice your deen beautifully, right? That's what the take-home messages were. Now after, do you, you all remember, we talked about this background of the revelation of this surah. That the mushrik, the polytheist of Mecca, went to the Jews and, uh, of Medina and they said, we want you to give us a uh, question or a series of questions that we can ask Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam we can ask Prophet Muhammad and we can ascertain whether he is, we can ascertain whether he is uh, a true prophet of Allah or not, or he is a, uh, you know, he's claiming prophethood without actually being a prophet. So they said, ask him about three things. One was about the reality of the soul. One was the sevens or the sleepers. They say seven, but we said, no, we don't know exactly whether it's seven, eight, nine, six, five. Uh, the sleepers of the cave. And number three was, the, the, the king who ruled across the uh, globe, the east and the west and so forth. So those are, those are the three um, stories they asked. And you, you remember that the Prophet ﷺ said to them, that I will answer you tomorrow. But the Prophet ﷺ forgot to say, inshaAllah. And when that happened, Allah Azza wa Jal held back Angel Jibreel for the next 15 days. And they came every single day asking, where's our answer? Where's our answer? And they used that moment to taunt him immensely for the next two weeks, which probably felt like years. Because every day they would line up saying, you told us to come tomorrow. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? How come you don't have the answers? So after he, not having the answers for so long, um, you know, they, were, they grew in their uh, attacks against the Prophet ﷺ. And eventually on the 15th day or so, Allah Azza wa Jal revealed um, 
the, the surah with all the answers. What is so interesting is, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when revealing the verses, He first revealed the story in detail of the people of the cave. And then He says this on um, you know, ayah 21. Allah Azza wa Jal says, or 23, Nor shall you say, O Prophet in regard to anything, that I will indeed do such and such tomorrow. You will never, لا تقولنا comes with emphasis, you will never, O Prophet say, in regard to anything, I will indeed do such and such tomorrow. Unless you add, so you have to add, you add. Right? Unless Unless you add to what you previously said, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so wills. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so wills. And you remember your Lord if you forget to say it. If if you yet you remember your Lord if you forget to say it, and then say, Asa. It may well be that my Lord will guide me to what is nearer than this. Rashada in rectitude. Meaning, what is near to Allah's pleasure, which is superior to, uh, and, and more acceptable and more honorable in Rashada in rectitude, I will ask Allah to guide me to that. That was one statement in between Allah mentioned then Allah says the final few verses regarding the story now they remained in their cave 300 lunar years plus 9 more besides so a total of 309 but it has not been mentioned 309 it's mentioned 300 and an additional 9 so there's an interesting reason for that Say, O Prophet to those who argue against this. Say, O Prophet to those who argue against this. Allah knows best how long they remained. Those who argue about 300, 309, all of that, tell them that Allah knows best. Allah knows best how long they remained. To Him alone belongs all the knowledge of the unseen. Of the heavens and the earth. How perfectly he sees and how perfectly he hears. This is ta'ajjub or how perfectly he sees and how perfectly he hears. They do not have apart from him any patron. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not, they all do not have any helpers. Wali means a patron, a helper, a assistant. They do not have anyone besides Allah as an assistant. For he does not share his sovereignty with anyone. Allah does not allow anyone to join him in his sovereignty. So continue to recite what has been revealed to you from the book of your Lord. For there is none who can replace his words. And never shall you find apart from him any refuge. Never shall you find apart from him any refuge. So this, I was mentioning the majority of this story now has been mentioned of Surah Al-Kahf, right? We're just having some closing statements here. 
And at the end of these closing statements, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now mentions, Oh Muhammad sallallahu you made a mistake. You should not have said, you should not have forgotten to say insha'Allah. This is the etiquette of Allah with His Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa What's the etiquette? The etiquette is, I'm giving you your answer. I'm giving you what you wanted. I'm giving you what they all are asking. And then at the end, after it's all said and done, I'll tell you the mistake you made. They shouldn't, you should have not left out insha'Allah. This is the etiquette that Allah Azzawajal has with His Nabi, that He gave him the answer, and then afterward, He corrected him and said, you should not have done so. Is this the only place? No. You find it in the Battle of Tabuk. When Rasulullah gave permission to the hypocrites who were coming up with false excuses for not participating in the Battle of Tabuk. And Rasulullah let them go. And they, they said all, signs, all sorts of stories, we can't go. It's beautiful verses. Um, Allah Azza wa Jal reprimands them. He says, Ya ladina amanu, O believers. Malak, he speaks to the believers. He says, Malakum, what's wrong with you? When you are told to travel in the path of Allah, infiru, travel, move. When you're told to move in the path of Allah, what's wrong with you? Why do you cling to the earth? You're a believer. A believer should be just waiting for this opportunity to jump and says, if I'm here, I'm here to please, I'm here to serve. You know, imagine you have an employee whose job is to, you know, take care of one thing to the other, move stuff from here to there, or a paper, uh, you know, deliver things. You wouldn't sit there and say, based on your schedule, may I please kindly request you that you, you know, give a, a couple minutes of your valuable time so that you can move this from here to there. What will he say? He'll say, manager, sir, what are you, why are you saying like that? You know? I, that's exactly what I'm getting paid for by the hour, to sit here and do these things. You don't have to sit there and exp, you know, ask if I am available, if I'm willing to, if my mood is there. No, this is what I'm here for. So what are we? We're called Abdullah. Our job is to serve. That's exactly what we're called, right? We're called Abdullah. We've, we've signed up to be Ibadullah. We've signed up to be servants of Allah. We've signed up to serve. So when you're asked to serve, we don't come up with excuses. Otherwise, we've, we're no longer Ibadullah. And Abdullah is the one when Hayyal al-Salah, Hayyal al-Falah, come to prayer, come to success and mention, he sees nothing besides the masjid. When Nabi alayhi salatu salam, that's what he would, the adhan would be called when he had to gather the people. Right? Salatu jami'ah. They would go announce that salah, the gather for salah. And you knew any major announcement is going to be made in the masjid now. Rabbi alayhi may be just sending a thousand men to go here, 500 men to go there. Whatever need may arise, we're going to stand up to that. So Allah is addressing the believers. He says, why is it when you're told to sacrifice and travel in the path of Allah? Ithaqaltum, you cling to the earth. Ithaqala, yathaqalu comes from the word thaqil. Thaqul. Thaqul means heavy weights. Thaqil, something which is very heavy. Why do you act as though you are carrying massive, huge amounts of weight. Like a person who's holding a 200 pound you know, weight, he's not going to be able to run. He's not going to be able to just randomly immediately stand up. It'll be very challenging. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, why are you acting as though you've got huge weights in your hand and you're clinging to the ground? When I'm telling you, when, you're, when my Nabi says, stand up and go, why do you cling to the earth? And then he gives us the, he asks us. So, this ayah is so applicable to us today. Right? He tells us the reason. Why, like we talked about last week too at the beginning. Sacrificing for the deen. Doing something for Allah. 
not just for ourselves, doing something for the bigger picture, not just for the wife and the kids, but doing something for the deen. Right? Besides that, in which you don't immediately see the benefit of it in your life. You don't immediately see benefit. It's, of course it's coming. You're going to get unbelievable benefit. But you don't get immediate kickbacks. You know what I mean? You don't get immediate kickback. Yet you're doing it. So Allah says, Is it because you are much more pleased with the worldly life than the hereafter? Is that what it is? Is it because you love the dunya? That you're so content with the world that you're, you're saying, I'd rather have cash than credit. I'd rather have what's in front of me than something which is so far superior to this, but I'm not going to see it right now. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, remember, the hereafter, the worldly life, and all its adornments, and all that you have to enjoy compared to the hereafter is nothing but a teeny tiny small amount. No matter how much, what's, what's at stake? You say, I got a $50,000 stake. I got a $100,000 job at stake. I have a $500,000 investment at stake. Allah says, the entire dunya compared to akhirah of what you are going to get if you make sacrifice is nothing, even if it's 100 billion at stake. But compared to the hereafter, if, you, if 100 billion requires you to break the command of Allah, it's not worth it. A hundred billion requires you to give up a sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. It's not worth it. Right? That's, that is what uh, we're being taught. SubhanAllah. Every single sunnah is so important. You heard of one of the companions of the Prophet ﷺ. If I'm not mistaken, if it was Hudayfa himself, radiallahu anhu, that they were sitting in front of one of the uh, non-Muslim kings. They, they went for da'wah and they said, okay, you all come and eat here. And as there was in the Persian, if I'm not mistaken, in the Persian emperor's you know, palace, and you can imagine what type of setup he had, right? The kings of that time. What type of opulence, what type of, uh, you know, setup he had of, of, of serving a guest and to, in, to inspire and to, to impress. So as he was sitting there, what happens? The companions are, you know, some of his students and tabi'een are eating and he's eating too. A morsel of food falls from the plate or falls from the mouth onto the ground. So now, based on the prophetic sunnah, we're supposed to do what? We're supposed to pick it up. But some of them, they thought, no, we don't want to give a bad image of Muslims. That we are, you know, a bunch of hungry poor people who need to pick up leftovers. Like how there's, there's a completely wrong culture of not cleaning up the plate because you don't want to show that you're hungry. Huh? SubhanAllah. Right? That's how it is. You're not supposed to clean a plate. Go to a restaurant. F- find us a plate that's clean. They have to always dump stuff. Always things. As, as a true Muslim... You will get allergic. You can't stand that. You cannot stand to see a plate that's not 100% clean. That's why when you look in the gathering over here, walk around and see. Are we, when we have gatherings and get-togethers at home or in the masjid, does it look like a Muslim gathering or not? You can tell by look at the plates. Are the plates clean or not? Wings. Huh? We had a couple of kids over having wings with my kids. And then we said, okay, we're going to have a lesson now. They're just eating the wings. I said, no, we're going to have pro- pro- prophetic sunnah method. What are you going to eat the wings, right? But you got to eat it sunnah manner. Okay, yes, do, there was no honey barbecue sauce during the time of the Prophet ﷺ. But the sunnah method is you're going to dissect these things. And you're going to put each single bone in your mouth and clean it out. So at the end, there's absolutely no piece of flesh, you know, no piece of meat rather, left on any of these pieces of bones. It, may, it took a lot. It took quite a while because they're not used to that. But you know these kids. But they said, okay, here this is how the proper method of eating wings. The proper method of eating anything is that you clean it. 
Now the others, well, no, they'll leave it half. They'll leave a half a drink, half a fries, half a burger, half of the salad. It's just norm in the workplace, norm everywhere. And now this is not the prophetic way. So they, you know, we're supposed to show we're hungry to Allah. You know that? Do you know that? The one of the du'as you're supposed to recite at the end of the meal. Alhamdulillah, we all know. All praise belongs to Allah who fed us, who gave us to drink, and made us wrong to believers. But then there's another dua. All praise belongs to Allah who fed me this food without any effort or strength on my end. Without me doing anything, He brought this food to me. Just imagine the process it takes to get you a chicken wing. Then add the spices and the sauce. How many hundreds of people and thousands of hours brought that to your plate? What, what did you do for it? You just paid 10 bucks and you got something. That's it. And that 10 bucks also, Allah gave it to you. He gave you the strength to work to be able to get that. So what have you done? Nothing. All praise belongs to Allah who has fed me without any effort or strength on my end. So we're supposed to show genuine tadarru' in kisar, idz, you know, need, humility, humbleness in front of Allah and in front of the food. So one of the other third dua we're supposed to recite when we wrap up is all praise belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we're wrapping up the sufra, we're wrapping up the tablecloth. We're wrapping up the sufra, we're wrapping up the tablecloth. But Ya Allah, I'm not saying I am free of need. Although I'm wrapping it up, as I'm wrapping it up, I'm going to be saying, Ya Allah, I am not free of want. As I wrap it up, I still need food in the next meal. And I am not bidding farewell to my need of food. What an amazing thing. I want you to think about it. What happens? We say, when we say La ilaha, there's no God besides Allah. When we say there's no God, during that time we have our finger lifted up. That even though we are trying to get to illallah, but because currently we're saying La ilaha, there's no God, we have our finger saying there's still one God. Right? As we're saying, La ilaha, there's no God. Before we get to illallah, during that duration, we have our finger lifted up to say, yeah, although I'm, by my tongue, I'm trying to get somewhere by saying there's no God. Wait till I get, to, well, I'm not going to wait till I get to the end of the sentence. I'm going to have my finger lifted up saying there's still one. So similarly, I'm wrapping up my sufra. I don't want you to think that, you know what, I, just because I burped or because I said I ate to my full, I don't, I don't need Allah's risk. No, no, no. I need Allah's risk. I need Allah's risk to, to be able to breathe the next second. I might need a drink of water in the next minute. I need Allah's risk. I'm going to beg for Allah for His risk. So for a Muslim to show humility in front of food is matloob, it's desired. That is the approach of a Muslim. And the one who doesn't have this Islamic thought process, he'll say, no, I don't want to show my need. Right? That's why I'm going to leave a half plate of food and walk away. The barakah is going to be gone. The anger of Allah Azza wa Jal, imagine how it will come on people who show disrespect to risk. Rizq. You cannot show disrespect to risk. You cannot take, you know, you cannot throw bread. You cannot, Allah forbid, wipe your hands with bread and leave it. Right? These are extremely rep- reprehensible, disrespectful things. And that is why Nabi Sallallahu he said, When I eat, I eat, I eat the way a slave eats. I eat bowing down like this. You know, I eat leaning over 
onto the plate of food. If the, he's a king of all kings, of humans and jinn and the malaika. If there's anyone who should be eating, leaning against the wall while people feeding him, it should have been the Prophet ﷺ. But how is he eating? He humbly leaning over the food. Onto the food. That's, that's, that is the humility you're supposed to sow. Khair, anyway. He says, we're in front of the king of the Persians and the food has fallen off. Some of them, some of them who were with him did not want to pick up the food, morsel of the food. And he became upset. He said, uh, You expect me to leave the sunnah of my beloved for these fools? What is that? That is this genuine belief, like we heard in the Sira conference being mentioned again and again, that success lies in sunnah wherever you go. Doesn't make a difference if you're in the king's palace or in your home. Sunnah is where success lies. Sunnah is what gives hidayah. Sunnah is what power. How many people I've heard stories of who literally accepted Islam because of one sunnah? One sunnah. Whether it was seeing a water jug in a bathroom. Hmm? Seeing a water jug in a bathroom. So what is this about? You do istinja, you wash yourself, subhanAllah. Never heard of this? That led to Islam. A person who walked in to a masjid, happened to be looking and it was iftar time or some dinner time. And he saw the Muslims sitting together, eating and sharing a plate. So what are you all doing over here? White and black, brown and yellow, all sitting together and eating like this. So this is a sunnah. The Prophet ﷺ did not eat alone. The companions never sat ate alone. They shared a plate and they ate together. And this is how we do it. Khalas, this is Islam. This is some, except Islam just on the basis of this. When we have sunnah, my friends, in our life, nothing is more effective in giving da'wah than sunnah. All other things out the door. This is shaitan's deception who thinks that we got to come up with some new methods. Today, we came across a hadith in Tirmidhi. Beautiful. He said, a sahabi, someone sneezed, and he said, uh, Alhamdulillah, wassalamu ala rasulillah, if I'm not mistaken, something like this. He's all praise belongs to Allah, and salam on the Prophet So Abdullah ibn Umar anhu was with him. He told him, I also say what you say. All praise belongs to Allah, and salutations upon the Prophet I agree with you. But, that's not what the Prophet told us and taught us when we sneeze to say this. I respect what you said. I agree with your sentiments. But this is an improper placement of those words. Instead, the Prophet ﷺ mentioned, Alhamdulillah. Or, Alhamdulillahi ala kulli hal. All praise belongs to Allah in every condition. So the commentators write in the, uh, the, the, the footnotes that... The ulama mentioned that whatever dua ma'athura, which, which we heard emphasized in the Sira conference and the last talk as well, of the mudathirs, the importance of sunnah ma'athur ma'asnoon duas, entering the masjid, leaving the masjid, entering the home, eating, drinking, sleeping, getting up in the morning, all of those things. He says, there is no, no we do not mess around with the duas of Rasulullah. You don't say, hey, let me just add this also. This sounds nice. It doesn't make a difference. So what he says, you do not manipulate and change any of the words of Rasulullah when applying in your daily life. You can make a separate dua all you want. But when, when you are following the dictates of sunnah, you cannot manipulate with those words. And one, what I really liked one point, he said, فَإِنَّ زِيَادَةَ فِيهِ نُقْصَانٌ to, In reality, if you add to it, you are decreasing from it. If you add to it, you're decreasing from it. And the example is you have a perfectly 
uh, a perfectly presented cake, and you say, you know what? I just feel like putting in some brown sugar on the top. I want to add some drizzle, some random stuff on the top. You know, man, your additions to it is actually going to ruin it, right? You're not, it's perfect the way it came from the bakery or from our whoever cooked it. You don't need to mess around with it. You adding even salt to it, to a, to a dish, is going to ruin it. There you go. Sometimes people think that, oh, I'm, there's one ingredient missing. And they add that, and that actually kills the whole thing, right? <clears throat> so here you go. This is something beautiful. When the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, I want you to allow you to think this, think what I just said. You're saying a dua, and you just added, wassalamu ala rasulillah. You're sending salutations upon the Prophet ﷺ. What is Ibn Omar saying? Bhai, you, this is not the time to say salutations upon the Prophet ﷺ, because you're changing what he taught us. So even though you're thinking, I'm doing something beneficial, this is wrong, because this goes against what he taught us to say at the time of sneezing. There's no wassalamu ala rasulillah at that time. You can say a million times, salatu wassalamu ala rasulillah, but don't say it now, because that's not what he taught us. Subhanallah. So the, the following the sunnah to the T, exactly how it is, is so important. So imagine if we come up with some new methods for da'wah, and which is fine as long as it's not contrary to the sunnah. But we say, no, let, let us leave the sunnah method, leave it, and come up with something absolutely brand new. Or any other way, because why this is the, this is the need of the time. We have to, you know, be imp- imp- we, have to get, we have to get impressed. We have to impress people. Sometimes, this is, this is my gathering, so I'm going to share what comes to my mind. Right? So you are our brothers, alhamdulillah. <clears throat> Many brothers say, brothers, why don't we start something new? Why don't you update this and that of the way you run the tafsir or the programs? Add this. People are going ahead. By 4K has come. 8K It was still an audio live stream. There's 8K out there. There's 4K. They're putting in what other stuff is coming out there. Our beautiful brothers, they say that. Sometimes we got to get ahead. Everyone else is getting ahead of the game with the latest video. And we're still stuck on audio. Why are we so fallen behind? And they genuinely feel that our da'wah is weak. Because of the fact that we haven't used video. So my response to that is, yeah, I'm not saying anything about anyone who uses that. But from our perspective, we should not suffer an inferiority complex. Wherever is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opens up to us and what we think from our mashur of our teachers and amongst yourselves, we will continue to do. And when Allah azza wa opens up to us and our asatida to do something else otherwise, then we will go forward with that. But there's no reason for us to compare yourself with others to say, oh, you're falling behind. But guess why? Because it doesn't just stop at video, it's just the beginning. Then you're going to have all sorts of other things. Why don't you have one, you know, you know, I don't need to say what needs to be done. What everyone else is doing. A little bit of, you know, a little bit classical music running in the background would be a little helpful for us to stay awake. Huh? <laughs> and then subhanAllah, a nice, you know, once in a while when you see the crowd falling asleep, how about the next eye you have an attractive young sister come and continue on? Then everyone will wake up, for sure. Alright? So then mashallah, why not come up with all different ways? The same way that Muslim businesses have females at the door as uh, you know, welcoming people. And when asked why, they'll simply say, Well, I have heard this myself. If you keep a man, no one's going to come into the store. You need to have an attractive lady to get the customers in. That's the same type of mindset. Like seriously, risk is in the hands of Allah. You know what? Wear your turban, keep your beard, and go stand at the counter. You'll get your customers. If it's written for you. 
And if you say, I'm not going to give up the sunnah, I'm going to do what the sunnah is, then Allah will give it to you with hook or crook, you will be the leader of the rest. People will say, we want to be like you. We want to compete with you. How did you become so successful? But we have become internally so weak. We have no self-esteem. We have no trust, thiqah, trust in the sunnah. Think about that. Allah, I'm, I'm, I'm not speaking about you or anyone else. I'm speaking about myself. We are so weak internally, subhanAllah, that we think that if we follow the sunnah, people are going to give us weird looks. If we follow the sunnah, what are people going to say? And then we won't be able to succeed in our da'wah, in our business, in anything else. We got to get that out. Get that out of the mind. Well, subhanAllah. We've, what did the Quran was saying? In, 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 uh, in, in, in uh, Surah Tawbah, I was saying the Quran is telling the believers, when you're asked to go out in the path of Allah, don't cling to the ground. And remember that the dunya compared to the akhirah is nothing. Follow the sunnah and go. Illa If you do not assist Rasulullah look at this ayah. Illa If you do not assist Rasulullah Allah. Allah has already assisted him. He doesn't need you. If kafaru, when the disbelievers exiled him from Mecca, and it was just the two of them traveling in Hijrah. How Allah brought them miraculously protected these two for those multi-week journey without any of you being around. The two most important people to walk ever on the surface of the earth. Right? After Rasulullah, Abu Bakr Siddiq. And from this Ummah, I mean. These two are walking, not a single other human is out there protecting them. Who protected them? Tell me. Allah. Allah says, where, you, where were you? Huh? You think I need you? Where were you? Everyone was after him. There was a hundred camels on his head, dead or alive. Where were you to protect him? You, none of you were there. I don't need you. That's what the Quran is saying. If you think that, uh, why I'm getting lazy. Every time you feel lazy for doing the work of deen, tell yourself, Allah does not need me. This is a honor of Allah upon me that He is allowing me to do some work. You have, you're asked to volunteer over here. Students, volunteers, musallis. Don't ever think you're doing a favor to the masjid by vacuuming. Don't ever think that subhanAllah, you've done a great favor by moving some pallets of water. Allah doesn't need you. Allah doesn't need me. You've done a favor upon none besides yourself. And that is the attitude we all have. If any one of us thinks we've done a favor upon anyone else by doing any khidmah, subhanAllah, we've done the greatest disservice to ourselves. We've gotten zero for our reward and we'll be deprived to do anything in the future. The attitude should be, Alhamdulillah. This is what I told the boys. <laughs> Subhanallah, Saturday, they had a Friday night, they had to do khidmah, and Saturday they had class this past weekend. I said, What we learned from our elders is you do khidmah all the way, 2 a.m., 1 a.m., and then after that, you go do wudu and you pray two rakat salatu shukr. You say, Ya Allah, thank you for allowing me to do khidmah. I didn't deserve spending three hours scrubbing pots, I didn't deserve spending three hours scrubbing bathrooms. I didn't deserve that honor. You gave me that honor, and I'm gonna pray two rakat salatu shukr that you allowed me to do that. And now I ask you to accept that from me. And then you show up to class. This is what we learn from our teachers, our elders. The khidmah is something that goes along with our studies. Don't ever think we're doing a favor upon anyone besides ourselves. Because Allah chooses the khuddam of the deen. Allah chooses who He wants to serve His deen. So if you've been chosen to open the masjid, if you've been chosen to come early, if you've been chosen for, to give in Allah's path, then subhanAllah, this is an honor of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allahu Akbar. Right? So this is uh, what the Quran says. This, this, these ayats, they strike me, man. These ayats of Surah Tawbah. Because it's just like, it's like Allah in His full Jalal mode. Right? Allah's like, I don't need you. If you want to do something, stand up and do it. And stop sitting on the ground clinging like, you know, 
this is a, uh, this, the, you, as soon as you stand up, you're going to die. And guess what? If you are going to die, what's waiting for you? Jannah. Something far superior than what, what, you have in, what you have right now. So that entire section, I was getting to the one point here. Allah Azawajal says, Afallahu ank. Afallahu ank. Allah has already forgiven you. Why did you give permission to these hypocrites? Why did you give them permission? What did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala first say? Allah already forgiven you. Forgiven you about what? Let me just tell you, you're already forgiven, so don't worry. Now, why did you give permission to the hypocrites to leave and not participate in the battle? That was a mistake. So, but look at the love Allah has for his Nabi, that he first lets him know that there's nothing wrong, everything's okay, and then he tells him, that what, what he did do, make a mistake because why? You are a role model for the rest of the world. So if you're doing a mistake, you have to be corrected. Subhanallah. Dear brothers, these verses like this, in the verse we're studying here, Afallahu Ank. Similarly, Abasa Watawalla. Right? These verses where Allah Azza wa Jal corrects Rasulullah Sallam. The presence of these verses in the Qur'an points out to the veracity of the Qur'an. Which man would come up with a fake text, with a fake book says it's from God, and would allow verses reprimanding him to be included in there? Does that make sense? If it's, if it's fake, you would immediately take it out. Why would you want the whole world for the next centuries learn about your being, you being reprimanded? SubhanAllah. So this is a great sign of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the fact that this Qur'an is haq, that it's untouched. Whatever Rasulullah was told by Allah is mentioned, even if he was reprimanded. And that reprimand also was done in such a beautiful, loving manner. So here is a very big topic. Is the idea is, do not say anything about you're gonna do tomorrow, except that you say, inshaAllah. Let's, let's, let's study a few verses of the Qur'an. You got this verse over here. What happened? He didn't say, inshaAllah, 15 days wahid income. Then you have the incident of Surah Al-Baqarah, the second surah of the Qur'an, the cow. What happened over there? There was a murder that took place in Bani Israel. They wanted to know who committed this murder. And Nabi Musa told them that you have to slaughter a cow. They said, Atatakhiduna huzwa? Is this a joke? <laughs> are, you, are you seriously making a mockery out of us? We have a murder here and you're telling us to do what? To slaughter a cow. So this is similar to when people are going through difficulty, you say, brother, give sadaqah. What are you talking about? I have a musibah over here and you tell me give sadaqah? They don't understand that behind the actions that are prescribed in the sharia is wisdom. Just keep quiet and do it. Follow the sunnah and you will get your end result. So here you go. They start using the intellect. You start using the intellect. So they said, this doesn't make sense. They said, okay, if, you really have to, if we really have to slaughter a cow, we want you to go back to Allah and ask Him. He said, what type of cow? He said, that cow has got to be this age. Okay, but now, what type of color? It's got to be yellow. It's got to make people happy when they look at them. <laughs> right? A bright yellow cow. What else? Give us more details. He's like, don't ask. No, they kept on asking. 
it should not be a cow that's used too much in manual labor, in agriculture, in watering, you know, getting water out of the well, etc. It should not have been used in manual labor. It should be just a nice, healthy cow that has just been enjoying a nice, luxurious life. They kept on asking questions. At the end, after going back and forth, when they started making it more challenging for themselves, because Allah didn't specifically give them any details. They just go slaughter a cow. Had they done it, it would have been easy. But they wanted to ask a bunch of questions and made their life much more difficult. So then, eventually, they said, وَإِنَّا إِنشَاءَ اللَّهُ لَمُهْتَدُونَ Shalo, inshallah, we will find the cow. There they found, while they're walking around, they found a kid, a young, man, young boy. And lo and behold, he had exactly this bright yellow cow that fit all the descriptions that they had brought upon themselves. So they said, can we have this cow? They said, for what? They said, no, we need it. We really, really need it. We need to figure out, you know, a case. I don't want to sell it. No, we really need it. So this boy was known to be an extremely obedient son to his mother. And through the barakah of the obedience to his mother, this is what I'm talking about barakah, boys and girls, elders. When you talk about follow the sunnah, and don't look at the most haram tactics. Oh, my, my counterpart, my business, uh, what do you call this? A competitor is using this tactic. He's going to get ahead of me. Don't worry. You just follow the sunnah, no one's going to get ahead of you. Perfect example right here. <laughs> Someone just showed up to him. They all showed up to him and said, we want this cow. Okay, I don't want to sell it, but we really want it. Guess what? If you want it, you're going to slaughter the cow? Is that what you're going to do? He said, yes. Because that's what Nabi Musa says. Slaughter it, take the skin and the tail of the cow and touch the dead body. That's what it was. That's what you got to do. So then they cut it. He said, if, you, if you're going to do it like that, then you're going to skin the cow. You have to fill up the skin with gold. And you give it to me, that's a price. Millions. But they needed it. And so they agreed. And that's what he got. He got a cow hide full of gold. And the barakah, the ulama say, of the obedience of the mother. He's got enough for the next seven generations. This is a great example of that you just follow deen, Allah will provide for you from unseen places. You don't need to do all the XYZ stuff that your competitor is doing, which includes a lot of haram in it. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about, oh, what's going on with the latest you know, stock or the latest crypto or the latest this. He's getting ahead. He's getting ahead. No one's getting ahead anywhere. At the end of the day, we'll all land by Allah. And then we'll find out who went ahead. If you're involved in haram, or you're involved in doubtful things, or whatever it is, I'm not saying any of the things that I mentioned are haram. I'm just saying there's a lot of doubtful stuff out there. Don't try to think that you're falling behind and everyone else is getting ahead besides you because you are leading a simple, hardworking lifestyle. Yes, find halal techniques of investing. But let's not try to get ourselves into haram just because others are doing so. They went and slaughtered the cow. They took the, they took the skin of this hide, touched the dead body. He woke up. He came back to life, not woke up. He got resurrected. The dead man got resurrected. And he said, my nephew killed me. He was greedy over my money. And he killed me. So this is kind of old system, right? Still going on until today, unfortunately. So the ulama say, had they not said, inshallah, they would have never been able to find that animal. Then you have this story of Musa and Khadr that's going to be coming later on in the surah. Musa and Khadr, what happened? Musa salam told Khadr, I'm sorry, Musa salam told his nephew Yusha, when you see the fish jumping out of the uh, lunchbox, 
then that's the place where Khadr is waiting for us. All right? So you got to make sure you stop and we're going to wait for Khadr there. So Yusha said, sure, of course. I mean, that's obvious. Come on, a fish jumping out, a dead, your lunch, your, your salmon and whatever, your trout coming out of the sandwich with all the mayo, right into, into the, uh, uh, what you call it, into the, into the river. That's good. I can't forget that. So what happened? They went to sleep. Yusha was awake. And while Musa was sleeping, he actually saw it happen. He said, okay, I'll wake up Musa. When he wakes up, Musa said, I'll wake up, I'll tell him. When he woke up, he forgot. And they started walking. They walked for an entire 24 hours, one whole day ahead. After that, Musa said, you know what? This trip is becoming too tiring. It's becoming too long. So inshallah, all the beautiful wisdoms behind it, that story, we'll get to it when we, when we discuss that story in detail. So Musa salam. He said, Bring me my lunch, I'm hungry. All of a sudden, Yusha remembered, we don't have lunch, sorry. Did you eat it? No, it ran away. Right? It flew away. Lunch ran away. So then Musa got upset, why didn't you tell me? He says, Shaitan, baby, forget it. I'm so sorry. So the ulama mentioned there, that this two, two extra days of walking happened. Shaitan made him forget and the reason was that he forgot to say, Insha'Allah, I will tell you when this fish jumps up. It's like obvious that the fish jumps out of the basket, I'm gonna tell you. You know what I'm saying? Nothing is obvious. You, even the most obvious thing you can forget. Even the most obvious thing you can forget. Don't think, oh, this is something too simple, too obvious, it won't happen. No, say Insha'Allah even for that. He didn't say Insha'Allah, this is what happened. Third story, and if you conclude this, the fourth story, is the story of Ya'juj Ma'juj, which is also come at the end of Surah Al-Kahf. So you see three stories back to back. SubhanAllah, but inshaAllah. And that is the story where Dhul Qarnain came, and he was asked to build a wall to protect the people from Ya'juj Ma'juj, Gog Magog. And he, they said, we will, give you, we will pay you, we'll give you money, and said, I don't need your money. Just help me with physical labor. And he made a huge, massive wall molten brass poured into it and built around the area and Ya'juj Majuj were no longer able to harm the people in that area. The hadith mentions that every single day this Ya'juj Majuj they come to this wall. The Prophet said in a Ma'juja yahfiruna every single day they dig until they're about to see sunlight. They're about to see what? Sunlight. The one in charge of Ya'juj Ma'juj says, Go back. Let's go back. We've been digging all day. We will go dig it up the remainder tomorrow. When they come back tomorrow, they find it to be even harder and more well built than the previous day. Goes back to where it was. This happens how many days? Huh? Every day. Every single day this is happening. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Every single day they dig, dig, dig. And right before they're about to get to the bottom, the leader says, let's go back. And they go back and they come back the next day, it's back to where it was. Alan Kamakan goes back to where it was. Or even stronger. Then the hadith mentions 
that hatta ida balagat muddatuhum until the time of their appearance arrives wa arada allah an yab'athum ala nas and allah wants them to come about and come on onto the earth they will keep on digging until they're about to see the sunlight and then the leader will say irji'u go back we shall you shall all dig it tomorrow inshallah that day he will say inshallah when he says inshallah they'll come back the next day and it's exactly how they left it and they will break that day subhanallah may allah protect us and our generations from seeing that day right and the details of ya'juj ma'juj will come inshallah when we arrive and when we discuss the ending of the surah but the idea is even in this case allah azza wa jal made the breaking of this wall contingent upon them saying inshallah so today we're seeing that these the words of alhamdulillah mashallah inshallah slowly are leaving the vocabulary of the younger generation they look at you and say what are you talking about many times you visit people at their homes or meet people and they literally do not know what does that mean they'll tell you what is what is mashallah what is inshallah what is alhamdulillah can you translate that in english there's just a few words that we really need to know in Arabic. Yes, inshallah means if Allah wills, fine. But if you keep on saying if Allah wills on your tongue, no problem. But how often do we hear that? No. Instead, we hear the opposite. What do we hear? I can. We can. Right? This is the, play, the country where you climb from rags to riches. This is the place where you, all your dreams get fulfilled. This is the place where anything can happen and everything can happen. And we can. These are the slogans. And what, what is our slogan? We cannot without the will of Allah. <coughs> we cannot without the will of Allah. Another thing we learn from this is inshallah, of course, is creating humility and humbleness, but it also creates an unbelievable level of hope and an ability to dream big. If I say something huge, let's say, you know, uh, we say, um, whatever, like we were creating a product. And you say, this product is going to be in the home of not just every American. It's going to be in the home of every single individual. In the next 30 years, every single person is going to have this in their house. So if you're sitting this in a business meeting, and you're speaking to people who you're trying to get their investments, they'll say, hold on, what did you just say? Maybe you can say people in your neighborhood. Maybe you can say people in your state. Maybe you can say people in your country. Maybe you can say a certain demographic. No, no, no. I mean every single human being will have my product in their house. They will definitely walk out of the meeting. Think you're, you're cuckoo. They're not going to invest their money with you. Yeah? Because you cannot dream that big. But with inshallah, you can say that. With inshallah, you can say anyone. With inshallah, inshallah opens up the doors till the sky and beyond. You can say, inshallah, I'm going to be a wali. Inshallah, I'm going to be raised with the Prophet Inshallah, I'm going to be with, he's going to hold my hand and take me under the throne. Why not? That's exactly what we should be saying. Inshallah, he's going to be looking for me. Where are you? And he's going to call me on the day of judgment in front of billions of people. Give me from the Hawda Kawthar and say, you sit next to me while we finish up things here and let's go together. That's what we're supposed to be saying. That's what we're supposed to be thinking. That the effort of deen that we're doing over here, inshallah, in every single masjid, this effort will take place. And inshallah, every, we, we create a model in the next few years, a model that can be implemented in every single Islamic center throughout the entire world. Why not? You say inshallah, 
the sky is, you know, not even your limit. The sky is not the limit. You go further than that. You see, inshallah, we're gonna have a branch. The first masjid to be built on, in space is gonna have all the amal of the masjid al-Nabawi, right? And in the matter that you know that 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 is taking place, we'll try to you know we'll, we'll have that over there. Why not make niyyah? So inshallah is a really powerful statement. That's what I'm trying to tell you all. That you, you it really opens up the doors of opportunity. Anytime you feel like, can I dream like this? Just remember, you can dream as much as you want, as large as you want, as big as you want, as great as you want, as long as you say, inshallah. Subhanallah. Isn't that powerful? Because you are saying, I'm nobody. But if Allah wills, and Allah wills, Allah can will whatever He wants. MashaAllah, kan, wa ma'alam yasha, lam yakun. Whatever Allah wills happens, and whatever Allah does not will, will not happen. So I'm now handing myself over to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so now you can expect great things from Allah. One of the, one of the pieces of advice is, uh, that w- from hadith that we learn, is that a person should not be saying, Allahumma ghfirli in shit. Oh Allah, please forgive me if you wish so. Allahumma rahamni in shit. Oh Allah, if you want, you can forgive me. What we're trying to say here is that, you can say, oh are, are, inshallah, should I use inshallah? You see, inshallah and in shit are two different things. If you say in shaita, if you wish, oh Allah, forgive me if you wish, that shows as though we don't really care about forgiveness. If you want to forgive me, forgive me. If you don't want to forgive me, don't forgive me. But on the other hand, inshallah gives us the meaning of hope. It's a two different words, so don't mix that. Because one hadith says, do not say, oh Allah, forgive me if you want, but rather be determined in your ask. What does that mean, be determined in your ask? Meaning say, Ya Allah, you will forgive me. I know you will. I have hope. I got no one else beside you. You have to forgive me. That is the way a dua should be made. With absolute conviction that Allah will forgive me. Right? Allah looks at that. Allah knows your, your sincerity, the way you speak. And that is how we're supposed to speak with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ya Allah, I'm not walking away from here until I get this. I need this. I have nowhere else to go besides you. You have to give me this. That certainty with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That Ya Allah, I need you to give me what I'm asking. Or... Anything better than that. Sometimes we don't understand what's better. Don't ask for a specific thing. You ask what you want, but say, Allah, then if this is not meant good for me, then whatever else is better for me, then give that. Similarly, we say, Insha'Allah, when we go to someone's house or someone's sick person, we say, La ba's tuhuran, Insha'Allah. You're making dua, you put your hand on someone's forehead who's sick. This is the hadith. Put a hand on your sick person's forehead and you say, La ba's tuhuran, Insha'Allah. May Allah, Insha'Allah, this will become a means of your purification. And insha'Allah, you will feel better. So we use insha'Allah in that case as well. The Quran says, rabbaka." When you do remember, when you forget, as soon as you forget that you, you didn't say insha'Allah, then what? You should say it now. Say it afterwards. Don't say, I forgot it, so I'm not going to say it now. As soon as you remember, say it. What, another thing you understand here, my beloved brothers, rabbaka idha nasita. Let's take this. Let's let's take this separately. Remember your Lord when you forget. So, meaning, if we forgot to do our tasbih, we left that. We're sitting in our car. We say, Oh, when I left the masjid, I didn't say Bismillah wa salatu wa salamu ala Rasulillah. Allahumma inni as'aluka min fadlik. Hey, I didn't even recite the dua when I entered. Bismillah wa salatu wa salamu ala Rasulillah. Allah muftah liya wa rahmatik. What should you do now? You're sitting in the car and you're reading, Subhanallah, sakharalana hadha, wa ma kunna lahu muqrinin, wa inna ila rabbina lahu munqalibun. Then what should you do? Read the dua of going entering the masjid, leaving the masjid, and you didn't read the dua of drinking water. Bismillah, you didn't read the dua of Say it all. When you f- realize that you forgot to say your duas, then you sit and make it up. Do qada of it. 
And Allah will reward you for that. You, you know what I'm saying? You'll get the barakah for it. That's a great habit I would like you all to inculcate within ourselves and yourself is that whatever masnoon du'as that we know, if we happen to forget it, when we remember it, we should make up for it. Sit in the evening and read it. My beloved brothers, for that we have to memorize masnoon du'as. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward my parents and my teachers and all of you, your parents and your teachers who taught you this when you were young. If it wasn't for that, we wouldn't know any of this. So this is something, you, the students here, should appreciate their teachers who make them memorize du'as. All of you who did the one-year program in the past or are doing it now. How many of you would have never known any of these hundred du'as that you were memorized? Your whole life, you're, you know, you'd get married, you'd have kids, you still didn't even know what they don't know. So I encourage all the adults here who, to make a niyyah today that you will memorize the masnoon du'as. If you cannot say it in Arabic, then say it in English. But you, what does masnoon du'a, masnoon du'a mean du'a that Rasulullah said at any given time? If you have a habit of doing it, pretty much you will always be connected with Allah. Your mind and heart will always be focused. Because any given time, there's a dua to be read. So always you're like, oh, how do I keep, how do I create mindfulness within me? This is how you create mindfulness. Mindfulness is created through the daily, not just morning and evening dhikr, but the dhikr that is, that is specific to a specific time. That's how you create mindfulness. So there are so many apps, so many books. We have so many books outside, downstairs. You get them for free, you can, whatever. You know, books of dua. You can purchase it from the bookstore downstairs as well. And I would suggest that you try to memorize. Start, start small. One dua every three days. Right? And inshallah, in a year, two years, you'll, you'll have accomplished something huge. And then once you start doing it, your kids will start want to compete with you and they'll get ahead of you. But alhamdulillah, that's the whole point. You want your kids to have be ahead and memorize all of this. Don't you? Don't you want them to have a better, brighter future? So that's how we should do it. Get your kids involved, get your spouse involved, and get them also to memorize this dua. Anytime you forget to do it, remember it. Okay, tasbih, morning and evening. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. The morning and evening duas. You're, at 11 a.m., you're remembering you haven't read it. Pull up that dua card that you have and start reading it. As soon as you remember it. وَقُلْ And say, it, it may well be that my Lord will guide me to what is nearer than this. Right? Have this expectation that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will guide me and I will never forget in the future. Ask Allah, Ya Allah, allow me to always be in your remembrance and protect me from forgetting to take your name. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, they remain in the cave 300 lunar years plus nine more. So this is one of the miracles of the Qur'an. That in this number, in this, in this ayah, Allah joined the solar calendar and the lunar calendar both. According to the um, lunar years, it was 300. And according to the solar years, it was 309. Approximately, uh, you know, every single solar year is 11 days longer than the lunar year. And this is the amazing system Allah has made. To calculate months properly, we have the, the moon, the lunar month. Because it's exact, perfect. There's no you know, deviation in that. And then to calculate the year, you have the solar. Meaning the years are calculated based on the days. And the days, there's no doubt about it. The sun's rising and the sun is setting. Very clear. So now the days, and in turn, the year is calculated through the sun. And the months are calculated through the moon. And it's beautiful that our Islamic uh, 
symbols or, or ibadah is connected with the lunar month. So that is why they are rotating. So hajj and fasting are rotating throughout the year, uh, throughout years. So that's why it's not always hot. It's not always a long day. It's not always a short day. Everyone gets their chance to have a shorter fast. Everyone gets their chance to have a cooler hajj. Right? Based on which area you're coming from, Allah Azza wa Jal has made this system rotating. So it's not one set thing. No, it's going to be a 14-hour fast regardless. Even if you are in a far northern region or a southern region, you, there will be fluctuation every, every 30 years. Full, full round. So this is another beautiful wisdom of our deen. So the, the disbelievers, the, the, I'm sorry, the, the people of the book, they said, where did you get this 309? We heard, we heard 300. So then the Quran speaking about that that's 300 lunar, solar years. But when it comes to the lunar calendar, it's 309. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells Rasulullah Allah knows best. Tell them Allah knows best how long they remain. Why are you sitting there arguing about useless things? Let's get to the point. That's not the point. Like, there's a lot of beautiful points that were mentioned already. Focus on that. To Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala belongs the, the knowledge of the unseen. Realms of the heavens and the earth. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He is absolutely, completely aware. So when we, what do we understand from this? If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is so completely aware of everything, He's hearing everything, He's listening to everything, He's watching everything, then remember, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving you a time to relax. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants you to feel content that His words are true. He will not forsake you. His words do not change. His promises do not change. Okay, this is the promise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He will not allow anyone to share His sovereignty with Him. He is wahdahu la sharik. So if we have Allah, the tawheed of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in our heart, we will be on the right path. The Prophet ﷺ is then mentioned to him that listen, you have a Lord that is your friend. He will not forsake you. He will not let you go. Even if the disbelievers try various ways to attack you, Allah will get you out of that eventually. It may seem that the help of Allah is delayed. It may seem that the help of Allah is not coming. But the reason the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't come immediately, my dear brothers and sisters, is because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to ensure that those who stand with, Mus- with the Muslims, those who stand with the deen, are the ultimate strongest of people. When you have training in the special forces of any country, and people are screaming. People are like, I can't take this anymore. People are fainting. People are become dehydrated. People are, uh, you know, losing their mind. And they don't stop. It doesn't stop. The training doesn't stop. Because what do we want? We don't want people who are weak in the battlefield. We, it might take you, it might be the 18-hour trek. It might be a 26-hour trek. It might be three, three days in the ocean. But even if we get five guys who make it out, that's what we want. We don't need to have 500. We need to have five people who when we throw them into the battlefield, we know that they'll do the job successfully and come back. And they won't sit there complaining. Or they won't be dead. They know how to protect themselves and come out alive and complete the mission. That is why these special force missions are grueling and long and apparently merciless. Because the end product has to be super polished. What the Qur'an is saying and what repeatedly we see is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts upon the ummah trials and difficulties. And you think that there's no help of Allah. Where is it going? Well, that's, it's part of the training. The, tr- the help of Allah will come 
once he sees that group of people who he wants to use in the future, once they've come out successfully and they've crossed the finish line, game over. He's waiting for that group. When that group proves themselves that they will not change based on their environment. They will not change based on who is saying what. They will remain firm and convinced on the Sharia and the Deen and the Sunnah of the Prophet then Allah's help will come. That's why we've heard our elders say, teachers, shayukh, the shayukh, they say, Allah's help will come. And they will come when we have just 313 graduates of this program. Similar to the graduates of Badr. When you have 313 Badri type Sahaba, you have 313, just all it takes in the world, 313 people who graduate from this grueling course of difficulty upon difficulty upon difficulty, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's help will come like no other. That, that's exactly what's going to happen during latter times. There will not be masses. It will be, it will be strong group of Muslims. But the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be with them. So we have to make sure we don't peace out as they say. I'm out. I can't take this anymore. Khalas. Bas. Okay. Bye. Because that's what majority people are going to be saying. I'm out. Majority people say, Bhai, this is too much deendari. Too much religiousness. Too much religiousness. What is that supposed to mean? Too much religiousness. But that's what people will say. Right? So we have to make sure that we don't fall into that trap. Too much religiousness. Be with the times. These are the slogans that everyone says. We don't need to have thousands of people here. What we need to know is look down and say, is, it, is would the Prophet ﷺ sit with us today or not? That's the question. I'm telling you. If you have a gathering, if you have an event, ask yourself, if I had a VIP ticket, could I give it to the Prophet ﷺ and say, we would be, you would be our honor of guest, a guest of honor today? How many of our Muslim events today literally would never be able to say that? Would never be able to say that I could actually go present a VIP ticket to Rasulullah and say, please grace us with your presence. Because you know he would not be praying for you when you get there. You know that deep down in your heart. You know that. That the way these events are being kept, the way they're set up, the way things are happening, who are we fooling? Who are we fooling? Is this what the Prophet of leave the fiqh, leave the ulama, leave all of that. Go read the seal of the Prophet. Read the seal of the Prophet. Ask yourself, and if, you, if you're still confused, then ask Allah to remove the confusion, for indeed Allah is very merciful. The one who begs him to remove his confusion, inshallah, Allah will do that. But how is it we expect to have an Islamic event, to have the mercy of Allah, when all the rules of the deen are being broken? And we call this, we're inviting people to such events and they become greater and greater in number. And people say that this was very motivational, this was amazing. And well, there's nothing amazing there except for looking at people of the opposite gender. For the kids, the young men and women, that's what they're doing. SubhanAllah. Who are we fooling? These are things that no one wants to talk about. Right? They don't want to talk about it. It's like the, it's like the whole zina of the eye that I keep on making dua for. No one wants to talk about it, but we know. Vast majority. There was a poll. I don't know if I shared this here. One imam, he did it in his community, a poll, anonymous poll. I think, what did, what did I say the number? He had an anonymous poll in his masjid. And over 75% of the uh, respondents said they, ha they had a major problem with this. Over 75% had a major problem with controlling their gaze and looking at haram. How, how, many, how many events are speaking about this? How many Islamic conferences and events across the globe how many, how many scholars from the minbar in front of 50,000, 25,000 people are addressing the elephant in the room? 
Just because no one talks about it doesn't mean it's not happening. That's all I'm trying to say. That's all I'm trying to say. So all the filth and the fitna that happens when we leave the deen and, and don't follow the sunnah in our gatherings, no one is willing to speak about this. And for those who see it, they're scared because they won't get invited again to speak. Right? The freeness that Allah has given you and I, may Allah keep it like this, say ameen. It's because, subhanAllah, it's because, you know, you know why it is that, obviously. But why there's so many imams who want to speak up, but they can't. Because literally, they, do, they speak on the night, next morning, khalas, they receive a letter. You know, please move out. They're not allowed to speak. We know of so many imams who've spoken about riba, who've spoken about interest, and they received a letter that you got to go. How dare you spoke about riba? How dare you spoke about this? How, how did you criticize the masjid for taking a riba alone? We do whatever we want. You just got to focus on leading the prayers. One imam, real story. He said, you made the timetable without consulting me. You all don't know that Isha time, this is 30 years ago. He told me this, this sheikh told me the story. It happened to him like 30 years ago. He said, you, didn't, you, wrote, you made the timetable without consulting. Let me just make the timetable. You made the Isha time before Isha time starts, the jama'ah. What did they tell him? They said, bhai, you lead the Isha, you go home, you repeat your own Isha at your own time. Don't worry about that. That's not your, that's not your problem. We pray whenever you want. Your job is to lead. Sheikh Abdul Moiz, he told me this story. Right? SubhanAllah. So when imams are going to be shackled like that, then what are you, you going to say? We're gonna have, we, why are we in this pitiful condition? It's because of what we've done to those who are supposed to teach us the deen. You put the gun to their head and say, I want you to say this, and I want you to say this. Now what is it? How are you going to ever be able to follow the deen? SubhanAllah, this past weekend, how many brothers and sisters, MashaAllah, you saw a majority of them, under 30s, under 20, from across the country came. Hundreds, hundreds from across the country, youth. And many of them, many, 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 many of them were crying. Even at the end, we came to, came to all of us, were hugging and crying and saying, I don't want to leave. I don't want to leave. I, I don't want to go back to university. I don't want to go back to my state. I, don't want, I want to stay here. This is it. This is my cave. This is where I found it. You know? And what was it? It's just the, the sunnah atmosphere that they don't find in their own states, that they don't find in their own areas. So what we need to understand is instead of suffering an inferiority complex about the way things are run, we should feel unbelievably gifted by Allah for a gift that we don't deserve. And we should say, Ya Allah, this, is, this environment is what people are dying to be in. I thank you for allowing me to be a local of this masjid and to be able to just drive over in a tent of seer. While there are so many others who right now listen to me online, I know they are, all over the country, and are wishing subhanAllah they could switch spots with us to be in this environment. So many have told me that, that we would do anything to be here. How many people donate and specifically say, can you make a dua in the whole community that I can find a house nearby? Many times. There are many of them sitting right here right now looking for a house, subhanAllah, from different states. So what is this? Is this something you and I are doing? No, this is Allah's fadl. But what I'm trying to say is remain firm on the sunnah atmosphere. Pure sunnah atmosphere. Look at, ask yourself, am I comfortable to invite Rasulullah into my home? When I have my wedding, my daughter's wedding, my son's wedding, can I invite him to be, as they say, the best man? Could I? Right? That's the thing. You say, Oh, Mulana Sab, come. Hafiz Sab, come. Forget Mulana Sab. The biggest person, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. If you can't invite him, then you don't have angels of mercy in that gathering. So, what's the point for trying to get a shaykh of so and so to come bless the gathering, have some naat and nasheed of the Prophet, you know, and sung there? And what is this all about? You don't need to do all that. Just cut out the nonsense. And keep it according to the sunnah. Do it in the house of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, and you will see barakah. You will see blessing like no other.
We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to inspire all of us to be able to remain steadfast on the deen, on the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to, under, to make us understand the reality of what insha'Allah means and always keep our tongues busy in his remembrance with alhamdulillah, masha'Allah, insha'Allah, subhanallah, inna lillah, whatever it may be. Always keep our tongues busy with the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And whenever we do forget, we ask Allah to allow us to immediately remember him and to take his name again and again. And those of you who have not heard, Alhamdulillah, we were able to reach our 7 million goal, right? You remember you heard that? And mashallah, we're able to, be, uh, with Allah's grace, we're able to reach 23.4 million. 23.4 million salawat, Alhamdulillah. I, I think all of you are, by now are aware, but maybe some are listening online or not. And that is why we made Nia now to do a 5 million per month, 5 million per month goal for the entire community. It's the same uh, link, masjiddarussalam.org backslash salawat. I request you to please make niya of doing 100 a day, 200 a day, 1,000 a day, 500 a day. If you can do more, mashaAllah, tabarak wa ta'ala, do as much as you can. The cards are still available. You can do at least 10,000 a month. 10,000 a month would be what? 300 a day. That's it. Come on, we can do that? 300 a day? Insha'Allah. Right? Anyone's making more intention? I'm sure they are. Right? Alhamdulillah. There's one, one student, mashaAllah, you know, she made niya of 250. She ended up doing 1.2. 1.2, subhanAllah, right? Ajeeb, how some high school girls, high school boys, alhamdulillah, did something. This is through the barakah of, of Allah's mercy and inshallah, when you say inshallah, anything can happen. So we're gonna have a five million goal and we're gonna make the dua of that salawat uh, with the khat, our monthly khatm al-Quran dua, which is the last Thursday of the month. So it's gonna be on the Thanksgiving weekend, right? That Thursday night after Salat al-Isha will be the dua. So make, all of us make niyat, please having our monthly khatm al-Quran as well and work towards completing the 5 million goal, inshaAllah, tabarak wa ta'ala. Uh, and, and by every last 30 of the month, we'll have that completion. And um, um, yes, that's it. Any other announcements that you make? Besides there's tea and, and lots of other sweets and stuff outside, please enjoy. If you, um, and yeah, people have asked, can they bring something? Most definitely, you know, if you want to bring something for the Tafsir nights, you're more than welcome to do so. Please continue to invite your family and friends to also attend. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept your sacrifice of coming here and make it, uh, make, grant all of us istiqama. How's our, how's our uh, Surah Al-Kahf recitations going? Who's reading it more than once a week? Raise your hand, please. More than once a week. Keep your hands high. Huh? You see, we can, inshallah, alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, more than once a week. Okay? So, uh, huh? what is that? What's that? What's that mean? Niya. Okay, okay. For, how about first 10 and last 10? First 10 verses and last 10 verses. More than once a week. We need to have all of you to do that. First 10, last 10. Go make a sticky note. Put a sticky note. Put, a, put an alarm on your phone. Put in your, uh, in your calendar. First 10, last 10 to be recited. Please. Let's work on that. We want, I want this benefit for all, the, all of you, inshaAllah, to achieve that. Let us do, take the name of Allah. Let's do some thicker now. La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam La ilaha illallah 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 
محمد رسول اللہ صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم لا الہ الا اللہ 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 محمد الرسول اللہ صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم اللہ 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 لا الہ الا اللہ محمد الرسول اللہ صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم صلی اللہ علی محمد 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 صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم استغفر اللہ استغفر اللہ 
Before I make the dua, a couple of announcements. Inshallah, on your way out, there's the winner fall gear of the Dar Salaam jerseys and things of that sort. Additionally, we have a few Surah Al Kahf tafsirs that have just come in. If anyone is you get faith versus materialism, if you weren't able to get a copy, you can do so. And last but not least, Alhamdulillah, you're all coming here for the sake of Allah, for the sake of the tafsir of the Quran. I'm just happened to be a person who's sitting here. Um, and we ask Allah Azza wa Jal that increases in our muhabba and love for the Quran and love for one another. The next couple of weeks I'll be traveling, inshallah. So we'll have uh, one of my esteemed colleagues who is, uh, who is alhamdulillah, Allah is blessed with for years and years of teaching tafsir. Uh, here as well as other institutions and was a very powerful orator Mawlana Ahsan, Mawlana Ahsan Sayyid you've heard him in the Jum'ah Khutbahs here you've heard him in Team Fajr and in the retreat as well a really powerful orator and speaker and, and scholar Alhamdulillah so Ahsan means the best so Alhamdulillah you're getting the best now <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen after I come back people might say oh please boo me away so uh, uh, he's going to be inshallah covering for me I request you all to not only attend but please continuously do reminders please you know, continue to remind 15, 20, as many brothers as you can uh, about, the, uh, about the tafsir. And inshallah, your words will have a huge effect on others as well. Inshallah. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Allahumma ta'ala salamun ka-salamun dwarati adil jalali wa ikram. Allahumma alaikum alhamdulillah wa alaikum shukru kulluhu. Allahumma ana nasi thala'ana alaikum antakum athin ta'ala'ana nafsik ilaha al-alameen. Ya hayu ya qayyum ya ahad al-sawanda alladhi lam yarid wa lam yuradar min kulluhu kufu wa nahad. Adhalamna anfusana wa ilam taghfir lana wa tarham lana lukunna min khasirin. Allahumma ya hayu ya qayyum birahmatika nastaghith aslih lana shaanana kullahu la tikin la ila anfusana tarfata'in. Allahumma nawwir ومرضى المسلمين اللهم اشفنا واشف مرضانا ومرضى المسلمين وارحم موتانا وموت المسلمين وانصر المستضعفين من المسلمين في كل مكان Oh Allah, we ask you to accept this gathering, accept the, the tafsir, the dhikr, the dua. We'll accept the efforts of the students and the volunteers in, in all of our programs and in this program as well. Put barakah in, the, in the, those who are doing khidmah, put barakah in their wealth, in their health, in their ilm, in their amal, in all aspects of their lives. Oh Allah, put barakah in the lives of all those who attend online, on site, and who listen afterwards. Oh Allah, whatever we're sharing, allow all of us, the speaker and the listeners, to be able to put into practice. Oh Allah, allow us to be able to put into practice. Oh Allah, allow us to follow the sunnah and the sharia with farsightedness, with basira, with yaqeen, with conviction. Allow us to have the nur of iman, which will allow us to distinguish between right and wrong during these difficult trial, uh, times of trial. O Allah, allow us to be a source of bringing change wherever we go. Allow us to become a means of hidayah for our communities, of our homes, of our extended relatives, and wherever we are coming from. O Allah, o Allah, we ask you to increase the sphere of influence we have. And allow us to bring deen into wherever we are, uh, wh whichever circles we are in. O Allah, we ask you Allah to, uh, to grant all of us the ability to keep our tongues moist in your remembrance. Hearts that beat with your, with your love. O Allah, o Allah, grant all of us the character of 
Rasulullah especially with our parents, with our siblings, with our teachers, with our spouses, with our, with our elders, with our youngsters, O Allah, with our neighbors, but with Muslim and non-Muslim. O Allah, grant all of us ikhlas and sincerity. O Allah, allow us always to doubt our sincerity. Allow us always to be in doubt of our sincerity and yet create within us sincerity. O Allah, allow us all to take, to, to, to take the proper actions required to rectify the, and purify our hearts from the diseases that we suffer from. O Allah, purify all of us from the diseases of the heart that we suffer from. O Allah, we ask you to grant all of us yaqeen kamil in, in, in the deen, yaqeen kamil on you and your greatness, yaqeen kamil on the Quran and in the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa O Allah, grant all of us the ability and the desire to sacrifice for your deen, to travel for your deen, to give for your deen, to give up our, our desires for your deen. O Allah, allow us to see the benefits of this sacrifice in the, in, in, the, in the lives of our children, in the lives of our spouses, in the lives of our parents. O Allah, make it easy for us to raise our children in the best of manners. All these young men and women who are attending the dhrus, O Allah, make it easy for every one of them to find the very best of spouses. O Allah, make it easy for them to find the most pious, righteous, loving and caring spouses who will protect them and protect one another from falling into sin, who will protect them from falling into in anything that is a, a, will cause, which will be regarded as a disobedience to, uh, of you and the disobedience of the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. Allah, whoever is married, grant them happiness, mahabba and love. O Allah, those who have children, grant them, make them ya Allah, healthy and pious and righteous. Those who do not, O Allah, grant them righteous, pious, healthy, healthy children as well. O Allah, whatever permissible desires and needs any one of us have, whatever difficulties any one of us is going through, you are most aware of our difficulties. You are most aware of our challenges. Ya Allah, I beg you through the barakah of this gathering, that in the barakah of this place, we beg you, Ya Allah, we beg you collectively that you remove the sources of our worry. Remove the anxiety, remove the stress, remove whatever brings tears to us. Remove our frustrations, O oh Allah, O oh Allah, and fulfill all of our needs of this world and the next. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzat ya wa salamun al mursaleen. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Ameen, ameen. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.